Amen. Turn to someone, say hello, and you may be seated. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I am so glad for the Word of God, which is absolutely true. And tonight, we're going to see... We're going to see the good. We're going to see what God says in His Word. That's good. It's always good. Amen. And we're also going to see what uh, is exposed by that light to be false. And we are going to forever reject that as some people try to intimidate. You know, there's all kinds of intimidators or manipulators in this world. There are religious intimidators and religious manipulators, did you ever have somebody in a religious discussion try to intimidate you, browbeat you, uh, put you down, make you feel like you haven't got what you, uh, what they've got and what you ought to have, could have, but you don't have, and uh, you're just wrong according to them, and they intimidate and browbeat you? Ever been in a discussion like that? Raise your hand. Don't you just hate it? And we don't want to ever be guilty of it. So tonight, with a sweet spirit, the Lord helping us, we're going to bring forth the truth from the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It's going to move on our hearts. It's going to help us. I want to thank you for coming. We do have a special project that we're in right now. Today, tonight, and through next Sunday, we are purchasing hardback Bibles for folks around the world. And uh, as of this morning, we had 729 Bibles at $8, hardback Bibles, uh, ready to be purchased, and we want to exceed that number. And so if you give $8 or multiples of $8, we have special envelopes for that purpose. It says, give the gift of God's Word. Thank you so much. During this COVID time, every bill has been paid, every missionary offering has been sent, and we have been through five special projects for which we have raised extra money, and this is the sixth project, and we are on the way to great success to the glory of God. Can I get an amen? Thank you so much for your participation. Now, we also believe that God wants to work through our daily activities. And so all week long, we want you to be watching our From the Shepherd of the Sheep daily devotional on YouTube. If you haven't got hooked up, Tyler can help you do that before you leave here tonight. On Wednesday night, I want you to be back. We have a live stream service from right here at 730. I hope that you'll either be here or tune in to us and be back next Sunday, which is the fourth and final Sunday of the month of February. And you're going to find out what else we love. We love God. We love others as ourselves. We love our family, as we've already seen today. We love our country. And tonight, we love the truth. We absolutely love the truth. And God's going to bless your life if you are a lover of the truth. Take your Bible, turn to that passage in Ephesians that we referred to last. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to back up to verse number 6. And as we read, I want you to take notes in your Bible. I want you to be note takers. I want you to be Bible appliers. I want you to be able to learn and to put this into practice in your life. And Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Now, by the way, I'm teaching Ephesians on Wednesday night. And for the last several weeks, I've preached from Ephesians also. So I'm going to teach it out and preach it out till there's nothing left over. And praise God, we'll get what we need this time around until the next time we go around. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 6 on down. I want you to follow. Let no man. Now we have the power to stop people from doing something here. Let no man deceive you with vain words. So if we're on guard, if we've got, if we've got the... Uh, our antenna up, and the Holy Spirit is guiding us into all truth. 
we will be able to detect when there is error being presented under the guise of truth, or under the guise of some deep, mysterious thing. Let no man deceive you with vain or empty words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Unsaved people are going to pay a horrible price for believing the lies of the devil. Now the world, the flesh, and the devil will try to paint things to look to appear to be important. Uh, religious priorities in your life and mine. We have to be careful to be able to, by the Spirit to cull out those things that are not essential, that are not true, that are not for us, that are not the will of God. We've got to be able to detect that. Now when someone's speaking to you, you can tell from their spirit, their demeanor, uh, from their use of the Scriptures, their handling of the Word of God in context if they're the real deal or if they're phony. And there are as many phonies as real folks out there. So we have to be careful. We have to be because we belong to God. I've been bought lock, stock, and barrel by the blood of Jesus Christ. How about you? I belong to Him. All of you folks that are listening out there on YouTube and Facebook right now, I want you to pay close attention. I don't have the right just to play fast and loose with whatever it is that belongs to God already. He's purchased it with the blood of Jesus Christ, and I owe Him my all. I owe Him my life. I owe Him my participation, my full 100%. And I don't have anything left over that I can just play with. And so we want to be careful not to be deceived. Be not ye... there. One, one more time, there we've got power over that. Be, ye not, be not ye therefore partakers... With them. Not only are we not to enter into dialogue with those who are trying to deceive us with empty words, those that are not substantive, spiritual priorities for your life or for my life, but we are not supposed to hook up with them because if we do that, guess what? We're going to end up being just like them. Be careful. The Bible teaches separation. We believe in ethical and ecclesiastical separation. We are old fashioned. Bible-believing, old paths, King James, uh, separatist, Baptist. We believe that there are things that we should not partake of or be part of because it will neutralize or it will diminish whatever effect that God wants our life to have on the lives of others. So be careful. For ye were sometimes, once upon a time, darkness, spiritually speaking. That's where we were before Jesus. But now are ye light in the Lord. That's spiritual light. Walk as children of the light. Now the word as introduces a simile. So we are to walk as children of the light. If we are children of the light, it's possible for us to be deceived. It's possible for us to walk around in spiritual darkness. But we should walk as we are saved children of light in the light. The Bible has a lot to say about that. First John chapter, chapter number 1. We've preached on that a number of times. Walk in the light as He is in the light. We have our fellowship one with another with the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ God's Son cleanseth us from all sin. That's the way we're supposed to be walking and living and having our lifestyle every single day. All right, so you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, so we need to walk like that. We need to live that out. All right, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is the results of the Holy Spirit coming out of us. <clears throat> now, the fruit of the Christian is Christians, uh, like uh, if you have an apple tree, it bears what? Apples. If you have an orange tree, it bears what? 
oranges. You have a pear tree. It bears what? Pears. I'm glad you got, boy, I tell you what, three out of three. Praise God. All right. So whatever you are, you ought to be bearing. If we are a Christian tree, we should be bearing Christians. We should be winning people to Jesus Christ. That's the fruit of the Christian. But the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us. And we know there's the ninefold fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will produce fruit that can be seen, manifested out of our life. If we're truly saved, somebody's going to know it. They're going to figure it out because that's showing. It's coming out, all right? So proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. I'm not in my own works, my own efforts, just like Cain's offering was rejected. Why? Because it was his own works. And that is not acceptable. And, and his brother Abel uh, was accepted of the Lord. His sacrifice was acceptable. And what was it? That was the blood sacrifice. That was the sacrifice that was acceptable to the Lord. When it comes to our acceptance and our acceptability, we need to be on the same page with the Lord in His perfect will. We need to do His perfect will. We need to surrender to Him. It's not what I do on my own. It's what I allow Him to do through my life. That's what makes it acceptable. And have no fellowship. There we have that word, fellowship, koinonia. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Back up a few verses, we saw what the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, we're not to have anything to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather, what am I supposed to do? What's the word? Reprove, reprove, reprove. All right. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, that from a child... Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures that are able to make thee wise unto salvation. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, truly furnished unto all good works. What is one of the four uh, methods, one of the four things that the Word of God does? It reproves. It reproves. Do you know why people don't want to go to Bible-believing churches? Because they want to sit and be comfortable in their carnality. They don't want to be reproved. They don't want to be told what's wrong. Listen, if I go to church and I don't, I don't experience, uh, I mean, all over my feet, stomping my, so that my feet, my toes hurt all the way up to my hips. If that doesn't happen, I haven't been to a real church. I haven't heard a real message by a real preacher from a real Bible. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Mm. Can two, can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos 3, 3. We've got to be on the same page, folks. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, but all things that are reproved by the Scriptures are made manifest by the light. So you got the spotlight there. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, so wherefore, whenever you see wherefore or therefore, look back and see what it's there for. Based on what we've just read, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that thou walk circumspectly, looking all around, not as fools but as wise, seeing everything. Okay, so we're not just talking about 180 peripheral vision, but 360. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Buying back the time. Making the time count. Giving its proper value to the time that we have. Every second is irreplaceable. Every minute, every hour is irreplaceable. You don't get it again. We don't get to do it over again. 
There's no such thing as time travel. You can't do anything about it. Once it's gone, it's gone. That's why the first time around we need to live for Jesus. Wherefore, be not unwise. Oh, there's another wherefore. Be not unwise, but understanding what is the will or what the will of the Lord is. Now, the will of God, look at me. The will of God is found in the Word of God. So get into the Word until the Word gets into you. Come on. That's it. Amen. Get into the Word. So, who, by the grace of God, come on now, who is going to, by God's grace, God helping you for His glory, you're going to try to memorize more Scripture this year than you did last year. Raise your hand. Amen. All right, so here's a good way to do that. Memorize more Scripture this coming week than we did last week. And let's do that all the time. Memorize. Hide God's Word in your heart that we don't sin. Amen. Amen. And be not drunk. Here it is. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. The fullness of the Spirit. The fullness. The fullness of the Spirit. Years ago, gas stations used to have attendants. I don't mean people would attend them. I mean there were people who worked there. Now try to find one. It's rare. You have to go to Mayberry, I guess. You know, Gomer will come out and put gas in your tank. You might find your tank. That's possible. Years ago, that was the case. You'd go in, you pull in, and uh, sometimes they'd have this thing strung across where you drive, and, w and as your tires go across, they go ding, ding. Remember that? How many remember that? How many of you miss those simpler times? Amen. Lord, bring it back. I'd like to just hear ding, ding one more time. All right. And you roll down the window, and up comes some guy, and he's got the striped shirt on or whatever, and he's got the... You've got the cloth to wash down your windows and, you know, he's going to check under the hood and, and see how much oil you need to top it off, all that kind of stuff. And he says, oh, what can I do for you? And you say, fill her up. Everybody on three, say, fill her up. Say it. Fill her up. When your gas tank gets low, you need it to be filled. So you say, fill her up. And what we need in our Christian life is the fullness of the Lord. We need the fullness in life because we get weary. We get tired. And there's something lacking there. And a lot of people who have been saved for a while, they experience this and they say, there must be something more. I'm talking about more of the same. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. The truth of the matter is, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we prayed and asked Him in our heart, we got all the Holy Spirit. He just doesn't always have all of us. So the fullness of the Holy Spirit means we're turning it back over to Him. We're letting Him get in the driver's seat. I'm using different metaphors. Um, before we get out of the gas station, I want you to understand what I'm talking about, all right? We, we desire to be all that we need to be for the glory of God. We need that filling or the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And as a young man, I wanted the fullness of the Spirit. Now, I'm a third-generation Baptist preacher. I was brought up in a preacher's home, and uh, I was taught correctly, dispensationally, theologically, that when we got saved, we got all the Holy Spirit. But I would feel at times like I was empty. You say, you preacher, you're always, uh, I mean, you're enthusiastic and you're always, you know, ready to do road work and go about ten rounds, and that's true. That's true. But I, like every other mortal, I feel like I need something more every now and then. And that something more is more yieldedness. And I... I discovered this. I mean, after a couple of 
of really false starts as I prayed and I said, Lord, I really, and I really pled and I begged and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But as I would do that, I was missing the point. It's, a, it's, a, it's about me yielding. It's about you giving up and letting God have His way. It's about taking your hands off and saying, Lord, you're the only one. You say, well, how much am I going to get? Well, one of my mentors used to teach this way, and he would say this. You know, if, if, if what you need is this amount, God will fill you to that extent. You'll have the fullness that you need to that extent. When we receive all that God wants us to have of Himself, it is for the task at hand that He's called us to. Are you listening to me? So many people are really concerned or they're worried about uh, what gift of the Spirit they have. There's 19 of them in the New Testament in three different categories. I've taught you this already. There's that category known as sign gifts, apostolic gifts. We don't need those anymore because we've got the completed canon of Scripture. Give me an amen on that. Now, some of you have been to other kind of churches and you say, oh, no, I tell you what, man, they're... They're, they're just, they're up and down the aisles, they're all over the place, they're swinging from the chandeliers and rolling under the pews, and, and they got those sign gifts. No, they haven't. They've been counterfeited. And many of them are sincere, and many of them are actually saved, but they're sincerely wrong. They've, they've missed the best. The best isn't how much steam we can put off, you know, how many pounds we can wear off when we go to church. I mean, you can go to church and you can hop over pews and jump and shout and, and run all the race all around and, and just act like a maniac and go home smelling like a sweat sock and be no closer to God. But in one brief minute, if we empty ourselves of sin and self and our own designs, we confess our sins and He cleanses us. We say, Lord, I need you. I'm not going to be able to serve you like I ought to and like I want to unless I have the fullness that you want to give me. Boom. Don't have to go home smelling like a sweat sock. I am not critiquing or criticizing or being hard on anybody tonight because there are all kinds of Baptist churches that differ in style. You know, their music may be a, a little... Louder, a little faster, a little slower, a little quieter. You know, they, they, they may shout, they may wave hankies, they may do it. Other people may sit there. I, I have had in one congregation, our previous church, why right, right over, I'm trying to see where they'd be, right over here, we would have Russians, and they would have their heads down, and they'd never make a sound. And then we would have people from down in the holler someplace, and that's what they did. They hollered. And... Uh, Wait, I mean, wave their hanky, you know, throw babies in the air, do all that kind of stuff. Just get excited, get excited. And, and it was, I'll never forget when David Ralston came to preach one time. He said, man, you got a big tent here. I said, what do you mean? He says, under one tent, you got people that are quiet and people that are noisy. You've got people that are overt and people that are inward. You've got all kinds. And God enabled us to do that. By the glory of God. We didn't do that by design. It's His church. It's His blend. It's His mix. It's the way He wants it. So that's okay. That's all right. You don't want to be a homogenous uh, organization because man does that. You want to be a New Testament church. So there are going to be some quiet folks and some noisy folks and there's going to be some overt folks and there's going to be some people that are very inward and so on and so forth. That's very true. We understand that's going to happen. 
The job that God has for you is what the fullness of God in your life is all about. And so if the task is, say, a Cadillac task, then God's going to give you a Cadillac gas tank. He's going to give you what you need to get the job done and give Him all the glory. But here's what I'm saying. Just as important are all those Volkswagen jobs. God may give you a Volkswagen job and give you a little itty-bitty Volkswagen engine and a little bitty Volkswagen gas tank, and that's it. That's it. Now, I know we're going with electric cars, and that just destroys my illustration, but that's another message for another time. woman once said, your church isn't Pentecostal. And I like to reply, we had the Holy Spirit before Pentecostals existed. We, we track ourselves back to Jesus. We're Bible-believing New Testament Baptists. But this lady said, you don't, you don't have praise and worship. Reminds me of another guy that came for, I don't know, a couple of months. And he would sit right back there, folks. In fact, it's somewhere, don't catch what he had. But he sat right back there, and he put his head down during everything, including the preaching. But when there was music time, he would stand up like he's, I don't know, getting a suntan or something. I don't know. And he came to me finally. He said, when do you have praise and worship? My Bible says, God is a spirit. And they that worship Him, worship Him in spirit and in truth. And that takes place not at a specific 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 minute uh, period of time during a service on a certain day or a certain time. That worship takes place 24-7 when I'm outside these four walls and I'm living for Jesus and He's living through my life. That's worship! Worship is when I take time with my wife and we have a relationship that enables if the Spirit of God is working in through me and the Spirit of God is working in through her, through her, then I can be the husband that I ought to be to her. She can be the wife that she ought to be to me. That's called worship. And God gets the glory. We can be the parents, the grandparents. We can be the, the pastor and pastor's wife that we ought to be. When the Spirit of God fills us and we're able to live out Jesus Christ, when we have that fullness, we're able to be and do what God wants us to be and to do. Worship isn't some appearance. It isn't some dramatic event or effect that we go through, you know, like this. That's my worship. Let's see. It's been 10 minutes. It's been 20 minutes. It's been 30 minutes. You know what I'm saying. How sad, how confused these people are. When we first got married, we were in a little church I was pastoring. I was still senior in Bible college. And we enjoyed, we didn't have television, we enjoyed listening to the radio. And on the radio we get all kinds of Christian programming. And I loved listening to C.M. Ward on Revival Time. Revival Time was the official program of the Assemblies of God out of Springfield, Missouri. And what I loved about them was their choir. I have LPs of that Revival Time choir with Cyril McClellan, and uh, I mean, all the special arranging. 
You talk about music. Listen, I'm confessing to you tonight. I got a lot of Pentecostal and Assemblies of God friends because I like some of their music. All right? I absolutely hate what they're wrong about, but I love some of their music. And C.M. Ward used to preach, and he never ever mentioned tongues or, or losing your salvation or some other, you know, the gifts or anything. He would always preach the gospel. So I loved hearing that program. And when we heard that there was going to be a such-and-so uh, musical uh, not far from where we drove over there, and we listened, and the music was really great until they all started jabbering. And once they started jabbering, we got up and got out of there. That was our first experience with it. Then I remember later on when we were in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And, you know, music is the culprit. I'm telling you, this is the bridge if you're not careful. We used to, I used to listen to Lowell Lundstrom, evangelist on the radio late at night when I was driving uh, back to school when I was still in school. So we got out of school. I, I got some of his albums. Now, albums, when I talk about albums, these are vinyl. They're like big CDs, kids, okay? Like real big CDs, only made out of black plastic, okay? And I would listen to Lowell Lundstrom. Now, they had kind of a country western sound, and uh, Lowell recently went to heaven. But uh, we, we decided... Some of us from the Baptist Church decided to drive down to Viroqua, uh, Wisconsin. And in Viroqua, Wisconsin, there was a high school gym, and Lowell Lundstrom was having a crusade. And so they had their country and western gospel music, and we listened. But when they got into the preaching, somewhere along the line, somebody started jabbering, and that spoiled it for me. When we were in later on in Yucca Valley, Southern California... We had a Christian school, worked uh, with my father there in the church, and we played a lot of other Christian school teams, and one of them was located in Palm Springs. Palm Springs Christian School uh, was associated with a tongues-talking church, and they invited me down to preach. We got there, and it was very early, and he said, want to come in the back and pray with me? And I said, sure, because I'm going to preach. So we went in the back uh, to pray, and he immediately started jabbering. That spoiled it for me. Say, now, you are awfully thin-skinned that that would spoil it for you. No, it spoiled it for me because I knew better. And I came out of that and I said, Lord, please help me. Now, before I ever got up to preach, my wife and our two boys, they were little, about the size of your boys back here, uh, were standing on the front row and they decided they were going to sing in tongues in that congregation. So they started harmonizing, polyphonic music. You that are musicians, you know what polyphonic is? That means every note on the scale that anybody can screech out. And so they were all jabbering in tongues. And I thought our kids were going to come out of their skin. It was, it was, and, and that spoiled it for me. Why? Because it's not right. Finally, they invited me to preach. I got up to preach. As I stood up to preach, praise the Lord, they missed the rest of this. Four people wandered in off the street and sat in the back. And I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. How you can be washed clean. How you can be made brand new. How Jesus Christ can give you a home in heaven. And when I got done, I told them how to conduct the invitation. And I invited those people. And those people came down the aisle and professed Jesus Christ as Savior. They were saved because an old-fashioned, old-paz Baptist preacher preached like a Baptist. And otherwise, it was a spoiled situation. And I praise God they got saved. I hope they didn't stay there. But anyway, that's another story for another time. What I'm telling you is this. I recognize that when you don't have what God says in the Word, that leaves an open spot for the devil 
to back in whatever he wants to back in and park it there. Are you listening to me? When you don't have what God says that we need to have, that leaves an open space for the devil to back it in and give you his counterfeit. I believe that's what happens so very often. I've told you already about the fullness that we mentioned in Ephesians 3.19. All the fullness of God. That's God the Father, first person of the Trinity. Then in Ephesians 4.13, we read about the fullness of Christ, second person of the Trinity. And then we read in Ephesians 5.18, our text, and be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess. Now, I'm glad that there's something about wine in here because I like to preach against booze. But it's, that's only an illustration. You see, if one of our church leaders came in here staggering from aisle to aisle and collapsed in a heap, and then somebody else came in and collapsed in a heap, and somebody else came in and collapsed in a heap, and we got a whole heap of, of folks that have collapsed staggering from aisle to aisle down front, that would upset you, and rightly so. Say, why, they're inebriated. They're drunk on spirits, plural. But when we're not drunk on the Holy Spirit, in a biblical sense, we don't get upset about that at all. Just as long as we don't go to excess. Are you listening to me? In other words, here's what, here's what most Baptists are like. Most Baptists are okay having the parking space open. And that's open for the devil to back something else in there any old time. I'm not satisfied with that. I want the fullness of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I want the fullness of God. And I don't know if the job I'm doing is a Volkswagen-sized job, but I want a Volkswagen filling then. And if it's a Cadillac-sized job, then I want a Cadillac filling. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit of God. I want to be full with the fullness of God. I want to be controlled by the fullness of the Lord. I've got a number of things that I've just reviewed. And this is a little booklet on tongues written by... Uh, Ed Nelson, some of you know who Ed Nelson was. He was a dear friend of ours uh, back at South Sheridan Baptist Church in Denver. And he, and he wrote something on tongues here, modern tongues movement. And he explained the way you can tell that something's not for us. You've got to ask, is it in the Gospels? Is it in the book of Acts? And is it elaborated in his instruction given in the epistles? And so he, he uses the example. He says, do you have baptism in the Gospels? Say yes. Thank you, yes. Do you have baptism in the book of Acts? Say yes. Do you have baptism explained in the epistles? Say yes. So baptism is for us. Baptism is okay. Now, do you have the miraculous gift of either being able to speak a known language, because that's what tongues are in the Bible. There are two kinds of tongues. There's tongues with grammar and syntax and order and organization. All right? So... Do we have the gift of tongues in the Gospels? Say no. Do we have them in Acts? Say yes. Do we have the doctrine elaborated and instruction given in the epistles? And the answer to that is with an asterisk, Paul tells you how not to do that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he gives you rules. So, tongues, when that which is perfect is come, and that which is in part shall be done away. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 makes it very clear that the miraculous gift of tongues was for the apostolic age and is not for us today. 
the, the people that have suddenly began, begun to speak in glossolalia, because that's what it is. It's not Bible tongues, but it's glossolalia. All have some things in common. And we kind of track it. There have been times throughout history we can go all the way back to the mysteries of Sibel. And uh, that, that goes back into Bible times when people were under the influence of hallucinogens and they would start to, they would say, and then somebody would say, what he's saying or what she's saying is this, and they would come up with something, kind of like telling somebody's fortune, but it's phony baloney. It, it was a religious scam, and it was pagan. And in Bible times, when those people got saved and they landed in the book of uh, in the church of Corinth, uh, and they heard it, they said, well, we, we used to do that when we were under the influence. And guess what? They, they wanted to jabber, and Paul said, keep silent. Don't do that. Here are your rules. Here are your rules. There's the real and the phony. Remember this. If you're satisfied with having that parking space open, the devil's going to back in there with something. Some kind of false teaching, some kind of sidetrack, some kind of distraction, some other kind of thing in your life that you don't want in your life. But if you want to have that space filled with the fullness of God, then the devil hasn't got a chance with you. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Those people lying in a heap down here, we're disgusted, but we're not disgusted about people not being full of the fullness of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God's perfect way in our life, God having control of our life. It's about who's in charge. It's who's in the driver's seat. That's what it's all about. I can teach you how to speak in gibberish, but that's not from God. Almost without exception, whether you are an American English speaker or whether you are a foreigner, you choose out syllables that may be familiar with and the pronunciation that's familiar with your particular native language and just let yourself go. No, 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 no. And that's, that's it. The best theologians and psychologists have been able to determine that for those who are sincere, it is what you call auto-hypnosis. They have, they have convinced themselves that this is the way to be close with God and to have something that everybody else doesn't have or to have that more something that they, that they are lacking. But instead, they should have said, Lord, fill her up. Fill her up. I'm going to empty myself of my sin and myself. The reason why the tongues movement has gotten such traction is because there's such deadness in churches. You've got dead religion. You've got a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And so they go with what they think is something that is real. But I like what this author, Merrill Unger, has said. He said, where the church comprehends the glorious simplicity of the gospel and the completeness and fullness of the salvation it brings, the moment faith is exercised in Christ Jesus the Savior, the appeal of Pentecostalism will be nothing. And I believe that too. Where we've got God's people living for the Lord, living according to the book, and not, uh, not following every dead end that the devil wants us to follow. They've done an extensive study of people supposedly speaking in tongues. And 73% of the people who were speaking in glossolalia, that is just a stream of syllables, this auto-hypnotic response, because they've been 
prepped for this. They're, they're very impressionable. And they've been prepped for this experience. You know, <laughs> never mind that Mormons do it. Never mind that Hindus do it. Never mind that Mohammedans do it. It's, it's auto-hypnosis. 73% thought they were speaking in real languages. They recorded their tongues experience and it was not anything but meaningless syllables. And it's amazing that in those same meetings, violating the rules that Paul gave in 1 Corinthians 14, you'll have two different people get up and give two different interpretations of the same delivery. You know what that is? That's confusion. Who here tonight knows where confusion comes from? Is God the author of confusion? Who's the author of confusion? Now, I did not say that every person who speaks in glossolalia is lost and on their way to hell. If you go out of here and say that, or if you spread that, you're a liar. I did not say that that, that person knows that they're doing something that is against the Bible. In most cases, they have been taught that because... You know, there's nothing else going on. They got an empty parking space. This is what's going to fill it. This is going to be the more. But that's not the more. Here it is. Every child of God is commanded to be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. And we know, according to James 4, 17, Him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It's wrong for us not to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's wrong for us not to have the fullness of God the Father, the fullness of Jesus Christ the Son, the fullness of God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. We need to confess our sins and keep short accounts with God and be filled with the fullness of God and allow Him to have His way in our life for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We have to confess our sins and desire and thirst for God's glory to be fulfilled in our life. We must desire and pray that this will be the case, that our life, that our words, that our actions, that our attitudes will, will glorify the Lord, that Jesus Christ will be seen. We have to do this by faith. We need to act upon it. We need to pray it in faith believing. It does not mean that there will be some ringing of bells or sounding of buzzers or flashing of lights. We might not have any emotional response whatsoever, but we still need to pull up and say, Lord, fill her up. Fill her up. I don't want to be empty. I want to be possessed of you, Lord. I want to be empowered by you, Lord. I want to be governed by you, Lord. Not my will, but thine be done. If that's the case, then the fruit of the Spirit will be seen in our life. The ninefold Spirit, as we see the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be thankful. We're going to be submissive. We're going to be yielded to God. And it's going to be seen uh, as the example of Jesus Christ, Him living out of our life. Those early Christians had holy boldness. Why don't we? They witnessed with great power. Why don't we? They shared everything they had, their wealth with those in need. Why don't we? They worshiped the Lord in spiritual unity. Why don't we? They suffered persecution, tribulations. They, they even went to prison, even gave their lives. Why aren't we willing? When we compare the type of Christianity that we have today with the type of Christianity in the New Testament, I got to say what's wrong with us. And I'll tell you what's wrong with us. We don't have the fullness of God in our life. We want to rightly divide the word of truth. We don't want to do it some other way. This is not a game. 
This is not something we play at. This is not according to our whims. This is not according to our flesh. This is not because we like a certain thing. We like a certain ministry. We like a certain thing. It's not feel good. It's not measured by the crowd size. If that were the case, then the devil is winning. Every time you let loose a false interpretation of Scripture in your life, there is a high price to pay. And you invite Satan to take your life and make it meaningless further and further down the road. I'm thinking of one family in Louisiana. I liked this preacher. I still like him today. Twice in the news. Late 80s, early 90s. Moral sin. Like father, like son. Son involved in immorality, divorce, remarriage, divorce, remarriage. I'm telling you, every generation is going to take it further. They're going to take it further. My people who have preached on this subject time and time again have often said this, that a ministry that's founded upon the flesh will end up in the sins of the flesh. God keep us from that. Man in Texas, good man. Went to Bible college and seminary. Became a preacher. Preached for over 50 years. Founded a church in Texas. Southern Baptist Church. Was a soul winner. Was a fiery preacher. I mean, a fire breather. One day, he felt like he was empty. And he wanted something more. And his parking space was empty. And the devil backed something up in there. He decided to go charismatic. Took the name Baptist off his church. Just called his church by the location. And people started blocking there. Got himself a television ministry. And it grew and it grew and it grew. It grew on the backs of this gibberish that he called tongues. Huge crowds came. The lure was tremendous. For 16 years, for 16 years, but he died with a heart attack at 77. Man who was in charge of the cameras for his television ministry, his son, had stood behind that camera for those years. And all of a sudden, he was asked to step out from behind the camera and become the spokesman for that ministry. Man I'm talking about that died with a heart attack, his name was John. His son's name was Joel. Dr. Adrian Rogers, before he died, said to a large gathering of Baptists, beware, beware. This man is teaching a whole generation how to go to hell with a smile on their face. You take it one step further. One step further. I was amazed when he was able to take over the compact center in Houston, Texas. I was amazed at the size of the crowd. I was amazed at the people that are coming. But it goes to show you the shallowness, the spiritual temperature. Because it's a ministry that, it's, that has gone downhill. His daddy was a fire breather, a soul winner, who decided to take on this gibberish, this tongues business. Became famous, grew large. His son was behind the camera. His son steps out. And he said, my daddy's style was not for me. 
So I decided just to talk to the people, and that's what he does with a big smile. He talks to them about how to lose weight and keep it off. He talks to people about uh, uh, different practical things. I'll never forget when he was interviewed by Larry King. Larry King who recently died. Larry King said, I'm a Jew. Are you telling me if I don't receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'm going to die and burn in hell? Joel Osteen looked at him and said, Larry, I'm not God. I wouldn't want to judge you. When Jerry Falwell was on that program, the same question was asked, and Jerry said with a smile, Larry, you're dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. Told him just like it was. And while I won't put a stamp of approval on any particular ministry, I've got to tell you, I reject a ministry that won't tell a man straight that he's on his way to hell if he doesn't take Jesus as his Savior. We are not going to build a ministry that in the next generation is going to be the equivalent of a religious Oprah or a religious Dr. Phil. Instead, we are going to build a ministry here that 50 years from now, 100 years from now, if Jesus Christ has not come back, it'll be just the same as it is right now. Standing upon the Word of God. You say, I feel empty tonight, preacher. I feel like I need more. I need something more. No, 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 no. You don't need something different. What you need, confession of sin, get right with God, be filled with the fullness of God, whatever God wants for you. If you've got to do that ten times a day, confess your sin, be filled with the Spirit. When you're speaking, let it be Jesus. When you're walking, let it be the walk of Jesus. When you're with somebody, let it be the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking, and how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. God bless you. All right, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come. If God's Spirit has spoken to you, you want to come and pray about anything at all. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Pray for the power of God in your life. If you need to settle something between you and the Lord, you know if that's the case. Now, if tonight there's something else, it may be that you're not saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to be saved, if you'd like to receive Christ as Savior with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Would you pray right now from your heart to God, something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, would you slip your hand up right now?